1: their hearts on the things of God and do the things that God had told them to do. And then they would know the truth and understand what Jesus is saying. Well, why didn't they do that? They were too proud. They were too proud, which brings me to a sad point. Some of us are too proud to. Some of us know what to do, and we don't do it.
0: God's will can never be taken into your own hands. You have to humble yourself and submit to his power and guidance if you want to be successful in living out his mission for you. As Pastor Dave will warn you in today's message, when you cling to your pride and try to go it alone, you'll fail miserably. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 7 as he begins his message. Whose Doctrine Is It Anyway?
1: we are making our way through the glorious gospel of John, and we are in chapter 7. And today, specifically, we will be looking at verses 14 through 19. Now, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? So, at this point in the Gospel of John, you'll remember Jesus now finds himself in the midst of conflict and controversy. A lot of things are happening around him, a lot of things are going on. There is sharp division among the people about him, who he is, where he came from. Some of those who called themselves his disciples have left, they just walked away from the truth. Why? Because they couldn't apply what he taught. They couldn't live out what he was teaching them to do. And it was hard for them. They thought it difficult, so they left. And they continued to argue about who he is. Some said he was a good man. Others say, no, 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 he's a deceiver, and he's leading people astray. Now, the religious leaders, they took a completely different stance. Ever since Jesus healed the lame man on the Sabbath and broke their law, they simply want him eliminated. They feel threatened by him. Why? Because he revealed their true hearts. They make such a fuss about keeping little details of the law. They strain gnats, little details of the law. They find these things so important, but they forget things like judgment, mercy, and faith. And most of all, love. They spend more time applying their traditions to their lives than the word of God. And Jesus railed at them greatly for this. Jesus railed at them greatly, and you can read the the great scriptures in Matthew 23 about the woes to the Pharisees and what he calls them. This sharp division is going to continue through the Gospel of John as the conflict builds and builds and builds all the way through chapter 12. And it runs deeper and deeper because John is going to separate light from darkness. John is going to separate wickedness from righteous. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. He's going to separate those who are practicing religion from those who are really children of God. John is going to hit home with some really, really heavy points now. And it's very important that we try to understand what John is trying to say and the words of Jesus as we read them. All this becomes really obvious when you see the response that the people give to Jesus' words. This becomes extremely obvious because people respond to the truth differently. People respond to the truth differently. The truth is light. Wicked hate the light. The righteous love the light. We respond to truth differently. The righteous are doers of the words, not hearers only. They practice what they preach. They practice what they believe. They practice what they say, and they put God's word into application. The wicked, all they do is embrace religion. The wicked are caught in the religious box. We had a long talk about the religious box. And they do anything that comforts and benefits them. They're not doers of the word. Oh, I love this. One commentator I studied said this. They are fig trees without figs. They are wolves dressed up as sheep. The wicked. As Jesus preaches truth, the people prove their rejection and wickedness by their response. Some want to kill him. That's a good response. That shows you just how holy they are. They want to kill him. We'll talk about that subject in a minute. Others simply walk away. But neither of them believed upon who Jesus was. And the sad part about it is they're now facing damnation. They're now facing eternal hell. Listen to what we read, Jesus' words, in John 3, 17 through 21. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest their deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Jesus' own words. So, as we come into today's scriptures, the Feast of Tabernacles is in full swing. They've been living in their booths now for about three days. They've been living in their booths now for about three days, and it is a time of joyous celebration. Jerusalem is packed with people. People from all over have come to Jerusalem to fulfill God's law and be there for the feast. We know from Scripture that Jesus' brothers had already gone up to the feast without him. But the people aren't satisfied. They walk around going, where is he? Where's Jesus? We want to see him. People wanted to ask him questions. The religious leaders wanted to kill him. So the controversy, this conflict continues to boil up. It's about four days into the feast, Jesus arrives. Jesus finally comes up. He came up in secret, but he came to the feast as we talked last week. So, as we look at our first scripture this morning, 14, we find it says this. Now, about the middle of the feast, so about day four, Jesus went up to the temple and taught. Jesus comes to the feast, and immediately he goes to the temple. He walks right into the temple. He has no fear. He doesn't worry about what they might want to do to him. He knows it's not his time yet. He knows no one can do anything to him until it is his time. He has said this over and over again. He's perfectly comfortable. Plus, he knows he still has some people who like him there. There are still some people who have been following him. And if there was an uprising, well, they would go against them. Plus, the Roman soldiers would come in and really severely punish them. So he knew this all along. So he goes to the feast, he goes in the temple, and he preaches. He preaches on righteousness. He preaches on repentance. He preaches on the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus' first words when he appeared on the scene in the Gospel of John, in all the Gospels, was the same words that John the Baptist was saying. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The words haven't changed much. The words haven't changed much in over 2,000 years. It's still the same words. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He taught them boldly. Jesus never stopped proclaiming truth. He never stopped proclaiming truth, nor should we. I've said from this podium before, right is right and wrong ain't. We should always come for the truth. We should always preach the truth. So Jesus is preaching in the temple. He's teaching in the temple, and a debate happens. He's teaching God's word, and a debate happens. Look in verse 15. And the Jews marveled, saying, how did this man know letters, having never studied? It's interesting. The word here, know letters, basically means accent. There must have been some sort of accent when rabbinical teachers taught. You know, now I'm t- I'm thinking of some of those guys on TV who always accent the word, and the Lord said this, uh, you know. Now, I don't think Jesus did that, but that came to my mind because it always enamors me when I see these guys doing. I go, yeah, brother, preach it, man. That's cool. I love the way they talk like, I think it's great. But there's an accent to their preaching. So the rabbinical people had accents when they taught. So they said, how does this guy know letters? He, how could, they could understand how he knew such knowledge and understanding of the scriptures. He'd never been taught at the rabbinical schools. He never went to seminary. This scene right here is going to set up the tension for the rest of this chapter and for now on. This man, who shouldn't know anything, knows everything. This man, the carpenter's son... The illegitimate son of a carpenter who is not supposed to know a thing, who doesn't have any credentials, who doesn't have anything hanging on his walls in some sort of paper, who knows absolutely nothing, they think, knows every single thing. And not only does he know everything, he teaches it with authority. He teaches it with authority. And they're bewildered. They're bewildered. How could this happen? They're blown away. Many feel this way today. Many people, when I meet them, the very first question they ask, especially other pastors, the very first question they ask me is, where'd you go to seminary? I said, I didn't. You didn't go to seminary? No. I do have a bachelor's degree from Trinity Biblical University. Oh. (laughs) And all of a sudden, it's cool. It's, It's cool. What seminary did Peter, James, John, and all those guys graduate from? What seminary the they with? And go back and read Acts and our favorite, our favorite verses that Mark and I have really been gleaning from. And it's no coincidence that this conference in Florida, this is the theme. It talks about they were with Jesus. They spent time with the Lord. They spent time with the Lord. They couldn't believe that this man, this lowly person from Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This lowly person knew so much and taught with so much authority. They couldn't believe it. Look at 16 and 17. Jesus responds. He says, Jesus answered him and said, My doctrine is not mine. But his who sent me, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Jesus' response is simple. He doesn't teach his own doctrine. It's not something that he made up. He teaches the doctrine of the person, the one who sent him. And the Greek word for doctrine is didache, D-I-D-A-C-H-E. It means that which is taught. Doctrine is a set of ideas. It's a set of beliefs that are taught, and we believe them to be true. When you come to biblical doctrine, it refers to the teachings that align with the Word of God. Biblical doctrine is doctrine that aligns with the Word of God. False doctrine now, false doctrine is any idea that adds to Takes away from, contradicts, or nullifies the doctrine given in God's Word. That is considered false doctrine. What is the Bible good for? Well, the Bible itself says that it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. It's profitable. Biblical doctrine helps us to understand certain things. It helps us understand God's will for our lives. It helps us to understand the nature and character of God. It helps us to understand the path of salvation through faith. It helps us to know how to carry out a church service and the instructions for a church, for a pastor, for elders, for deacons. It gives us knowledge on those things. And also, the Bible shows us how to live holy before a righteous God. The Bible gives us those things. This is doctrine. When we accept the Bible as God's word to us, we have a solid foundation for our doctrine. Jesus said, this is not my doctrine. My doctrine is God's doctrine. Jesus is teaching God's word. Jesus is telling him, said, okay, 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 fine. I don't have a degree from seminary. But don't judge me because I don't have a degree from seminary. Judge me on my doctrine. And this is mind-boggling. This is what boggles my mind about these guys. If these religious leaders would only listen to what Jesus was teaching, after all, what was he teaching from? Their scriptures. He was teaching the Old Testament, which were the only scriptures available. He was teaching from their scriptures, which they believed was the word of God. So why couldn't they believe him? But I think the real rub against these guys is where Jesus' doctrine comes from. He didn't claim to have it taught to him by man. He claimed that it was taught to him by God himself, not my doctrine, the one who sent me, God's doctrine. And again, he said that he was sent by God, and he was taught by God and sent by God. Now, there's an interesting aside that I went to as I was studying. I went on an interesting aside here, so pardon me for a minute, and these two words I came up with was sent and went. Sent and went. And they have great importance in being a servant of the Lord. There are those who went into ministry, but were never sent by the Lord. You hear that? There are those who are in ministry today who went into ministry, but they were never sent by the Lord. Then there were those who were sent by the Lord, and they never went. Some of you may have been sent by the Lord, But you keep waiting for the sky to open up and his voice to go out and go, go now, leave. Some of you have been called into service by God, but you haven't gone yet. You haven't went yet. You haven't gone yet. And lastly, there are those who are sent and they went. Those who are sent and they went. Jesus was sent by God and he went. He came to earth as a man. He did exactly what God had asked him to do. He became obedient even unto death on a cross. Jesus was obedient to God. But in verse 17, you'll notice that Jesus says, if any man does his will, he will know the doctrine. Why? Because revelation of God's word is directly linked to application of God's word. That's why we always teach application. The more you apply God's word, the more you learn of God's word. So as you learn God's Word and apply it, you learn more. If you fail to apply what you've learned, you don't get any more. You need to apply what you learn, and God will give you more. Quote, I don't even know who I got this from. Obedience is the door through which revelation enters. Quote, spiritual understanding is not produced solely by learning facts or procedures, but rather it depends upon obedience to known truth. So if the religious leaders wanted to understand Jesus more and wanted to know the truth, they needed to set their hearts on the things of God and do the things that God had told them to do. And then they would know the truth and understand what Jesus is saying. Well, why didn't they do that? They were too proud. They were too proud, which brings me to a sad point. Some of us are too proud, to. Some of us know what to do, and we don't do it. And we wonder why God is not revealing more to us when you won't do what God has called you to do. When you won't do what God has called you to do, and you wait for God to reveal more, and he's saying, well, I've revealed something to you. At least do it. At least try it so I can reveal more to you. But pride gets in the way. Our pride gets in the way. We face the same situation. True faith, we know, comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. See, this is what I don't understand. Jesus was teaching the Word of God. He was expounding on God's Word to them. And they wouldn't believe. They wouldn't even listen. They wouldn't even give them a chance. Look at verse 18. Jesus continues, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Jesus pointed out that those who who authority we claim is the one who we seek glory from. So those who speak in their own name or in the name of some company or something like that are actually seeking their own glory. I don't come to you in my name. You don't need to know what I know. You don't need to know anything from me. What you need to know is what Christ is, who Christ is, what God knows. I seek to glorify God when I speak. Who do you seek? Whose doctrine is it anyway? Is it your doctrine that you're teaching if you teach when you speak to somebody on the street, or is it God's doctrine? Whose doctrine are you expounding on? It's not the Church of Dave, not even Calvary Chapel. All things we do are the glory for God. This is God's church. It belongs to Him. This is not my church. Sometimes I'm talking to somebody, I'll almost say my, I'll go, no, it's not my church, it's God's church. I just happen to be the one He's He's put here. It's God's church. You don't belong to me, you belong to God. You're His sheep. For some crazy reason, He's given me some kind of authority over you as pastor of this church. Whose doctrine is it? It's not my doctrine. I don't sit around on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday through Friday thinking, now, what do they need to hear from me today? (laughs) That'd be crazy. If you came to hear me, you are in trouble. (laughs) If you come to hear my word, you are in deep trouble. Deep trouble. Jesus only spoke in the Father's name, He made it clear that He was seeking the Father's glory. Jesus would only speak what is true. And this is so hard for us as pastors. That's what we want. We only want to speak what is true. Do we make mistakes? Yes, we're human. But we try not to. We seek God. We seek Him at all angles, and we try to find out what He wants to say. Those who sought their own glory, Jesus was talking about, are those who are caught in the religious box. They become so proud of their teaching. They become so proud of the knowledge that they had, so proud of it, that it became more important to them to be recognized by the people that they served. They wanted the people to look at them and look at their brand of teaching rather than think freely about the Word of God. All the emphasis was on them, not the Word of God. May it never happen here at Calvin Chapel. May the emphasis always be on the Word of God, not any individual, any individual, least of all me. May it always be on the Word of God, always declaring God's Word, God's Word. People saw themselves as authorities and they wanted everyone to submit to their authority. And once they had a genuine attempt to do what was right, from their own body of teaching, from the traditions of the elders, something happened and it it turned and they started relying on the tradition of the elders more than the commandments of God. And then they started to defend them. And they defended them to the death. You know, sometimes we'll get into a situation where we're we're wrong and we'll defend that wrong to the death. We're so stubborn and hard-headed. I think this is one of the reasons why Stephen called them thick-necked, stiff-necked people.
0: Sure. The book of John covers Jesus's life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website Just click on the Messages tab when you visit AssureHopeRadio.com We'd love to meet you too Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel, Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A sure Hope.